0: Thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your your presence. Thank you for your blessing in our lives. We, We say we don't know where we would be if it weren't for you, but the truth is we have a pretty good idea because the adversary said that got one job, and that's to destroy us, to trick us, to work schemes against us and cause us to fail. And so the truth is, if it weren't for you, we would all be dead. If it weren't for your mercy and grace, we would all be dead in our trespasses and sin we would be ineffective, unable to do what's right, continually bent towards wrong. And so we thank you for the coming of your son. Lord, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you for coming. We thank you for laying your your deity down and your Or powerful spirit and ability down putting it right in front of the father and then stepping into humanity to walk like us talk like us be born like us live like us be tempted as we are and yet you came out perfect without sin and we thank you Lord Woo. We thank you that you didn't mess up. We thank you that you did not give up and give in, but you stood your ground and you paid the price. And today we say hallelujah. Today we say hallelujah. Today we say hallelujah. Today we say, today we say praise God. Today we say thank you, Lord. We give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. We lift up your majesty. We exalt you. We honor you. We bow before you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to celebrate your birth at this Christmas time this is not just a holiday season for us this is not just merry Xmas to us we are joyful we are joyful we are joyful Father we thank you for touching those that are Recuperating very well at this moment thank you for touching uh, deacon dave scurry whose body has been under attack but in the name of jesus he is recuperating and doing well and we thank you father that prayers have been heard that prayers have been answered father we thank you for touching oh god Skyler, Brother Daniel's sister, Achara's daughter, who was violently sick hours ago, but when the word went out and we began to tap and knock and hit on the throne room of heaven, that angels were sent. And just like that, in an instant, she was healed. And the doctors didn't know what to do. Just before they sent her from the emergency room to a regular room, things changed and nobody knew. But we know, we know, we know who it is. His name is Jesus. Your name is the Almighty. Your name is Jehovah Rapha. Ah, Our healer. Dr. Jesus. Surgeon. Specialist. You are the one who knows, oh God. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for touching the body of their sister that had surgery on Friday and that you brought her through. You brought her through. We prayed for you and God touched you. Thank you, Father, for touching others who have been sick you have recovered them you brought them through and we thank you Father we give you glory and honor for touching our sister Carol Father touching Frank's dear wife continuing to bring her into perfect health oh God continuing to heal her body you're continuing to touch Brian as he recuperates so oh, far from broken femur. Father, we speak healing to that body. We know that you are able. We've seen you do it before. We've seen you do it before. We've seen you do it before. And so our faith is at an all-time high. We know you can do it again. And so we thank you for touching all of those. Even the ones online, the ones that are watching us on our streaming network that have a prayer need, a prayer request, that need intervention right now, a job that has been lost, a home that it has not been paid for because there's no money to pay or the rent. God, you're making a way right now. You're making a way. 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 You're touching, oh God, our political leaders. So that the spirit of unity will prevail in an atmosphere of utter madness. That the spirit of unity, the spirit of righteousness, the spirit of, of, of conversation and communication, and dialogue, and civility... And mutual compromise will bring us into a place of healing in our country. We need your healing right now. We need your healing right now. We need your healing. We need your healing, healing, God. The king is walking around as it were with no clothes on and everyone is saying you look well, you look well, you're doing well but we are seeing with spiritual eyes and we know the king is naked. Our country is naked. Our country is exposed. We are at a vulnerable place. It doesn't matter what party you belong to. Bring us to an understanding that only you, Jesus, can help us at a time of nationwide nakedness. When we look at each other and say, Your clothes looks good, your outfit is good, your plans are good, your directives are good and they're not. We ask God that you intervene and you bring a miracle, bear a miracle down on our country this time. Thank you for your word that you've given me. Your word is already blessed. Father, I stand in humility as I deliver your word. Let it touch your people in a very deep and transformative way. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you give God a hallelujah? Would you give him a high praise? Would you give him a high praise for God? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our text is coming from the book of Matthew, chapter 2. I'm going to read from verses 2, 1, all the way through verses 12. I'm going to be reading from the... New King James version of the Bible. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Someone is being healed of a stomach ailment. A stomach ailment right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. God is... I could see him unraveling a knot looks like your intestines are just wrapped and tangled there's a name for that a medical name for that God is healing you right now God is healing you right now God is healing you right now now. if you're watching if you're watching receive your healing right now in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus My hands are stretched, Father. You are bringing healing. Those cramps are diminishing because the stomach is loosening. It's not tangling anymore. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things, or heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes, I want you to take note at who he had gathered together, the religious folk. We don't like to to admit it, but it seems as though everything cantankerous seems to be having its root within our religious circles. And I know it breaks the heart of God. But never fear, it was happening here too. And if God fixed it here, he can fix it here. If God fixed it here, he can fix it here. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. I pause here to say that no one talks about, but historically we know that Herod had no liking for a possible Messiah coming to the Jews. And the priests and the scribes And the Pharisees and religious leaders knew that. So it begs the question why they would volunteer the answer to where the God child is supposed to be born. Once again, I'm including myself in the conversation because we've got a problem in the church. And the problem. As it is with us, finds us pointing our fingers at the world. He brought the scribes and the, of the people together, and he inquired of them where the Christ is to be born. So they said to him, "In Jerusalem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets, or by the prophet." Verse six repeats what the prophet said several hundred years ago or before this point in the eighth century. And by the way, the prophet that says what we read now in verse six was the prophet Micah. We will refer to that in a moment. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least, or are not you the least among the rulers of Judea? For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd his people, Israel. Uh, I I like the way the King James Version, our base version, actually translates that verse. You don't have to get it on the screen, but I will read it. And it comes directly from Micah chapter 5, verses 2. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. What is being repeated in Matthew six, uh, 2 and 6 was said several hundred years before prophetically about, from Micah about the coming of the Messiah. And this is what the King James version says in Micah 5 and 2. But thou, Bethlehem, thou art, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judea of Judah yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel and here is the reason I've chosen the King James version whose gathering or whose going forth have been from old from everlasting to everlasting. When it uses that description in the King James Version that has been missing in several others, it is pointing directly to Jesus, the supreme one that never died, that always has been in the bosom of the Father, and he laid his life down and picked it back up later. So these are, this is a very important uh, place to find. Uh, look at all the other translations of this passage and come back to the King James in this particular instance because it says to us that this ruler who is being sent to Israel, his description is whose goings forth have been from old from everlasting to everlasting. He doesn't have a beginning. He doesn't have an end. He was sent down to humanity to pay a price, but he was not born just in human place. Verses 7 says, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them, what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring him back. Bring back work to me, that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east, went forth before them or went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child would marry his mother and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts, or presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then they divinely, they being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Still irks me, digs at me that the angel, God through angels, were able to speak to wise men, not Christians, not believers, not Pharisees or Sadducees, not Judaizers, not religious folk. Guys, who were functioning in their own physical and mental wise wisdom. And yet, at this pivotal point, God is able to speak to them and couldn't get through to the ones who call themselves Christians. It is of great significance to me that In this text, immediately after the report of Jesus and his birth, the gospel records the visit of these three magi from the far east to Bethlehem. The account is short and straightforward and also includes an important reference to an Old Testament prophet, Micah. This Micah, to be one of several important historic Old Testament makers of credibility, points emphatically to Jesus being the Messiah, the expected one. Anyway, this part of the Nativity story tells us of the homage paid to our Savior Jesus, born King of the Jews by these Magi, or wise men, who respected as part chemists, as part alchemists, as part scientists, as part magicians. Never as part Christians. And it would seem to the natural mind that these men were designate as wise only based on their, their abilities, their physical and mental prowess, their education, their learning. And I see it. I, I mean, just look at their astronomical knowledge the ability to have charted at a time when, when, when we know there weren't any physical duplications of navigatable material. They were able to chart the stars of Bethlehem for as many as two years leaving where they were and traveling to where Jesus was so they could worship him. Or maybe their wealth, the exclusive gifts that they presented to him. The great resource and time needed for the trip was enormous. Then look at their political access. They didn't just have the ability to navigate the stars. They did not just bring gifts of exclusion and great worth speaking to their natural heritage, but look at their political pull in that once they got to Bethlehem that the Herod himself sends for them and invites them in. I believe that he had already heard not about why they were coming but about their own natural abilities as part scientist, part alchemist, part magician, Chemists, and he knew that if they were able to navigate all this way to find the Christ child at a time when there was, there was no duplication of navigating material, you couldn't buy a compass. You had to know it. You had to be taught by someone who would disciple you into this job, this way of living as these wise men were. But I believe I found three relational markers in the account connected to those who God himself identifies as wise men and women that can be connected to the behavior of the Magi that I would like us to dig into this morning. Verse 1 and 2 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Can I first of all say, these men were seekers. They seeked him. They did not seek him with words alone, they did not seek him. With just inquiry, they seek Him with work behind it, they seek Jesus with energy into it, they seek the Messiah with commitment, leaving whatever caused them to be called magi even before they got there and walking away from that to meet this newborn king of the Jews. Theologians and Christian historians have determined these magi spent between six months and two years traveling with intentional desperation to find the Christ child after his birth. They first, their first true identifying marker for God, for the God kind of wisdom, was that they seeked him. They seeked him with commitment. They seeked him with focus. They seek him with all encompassing. They seek him. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven through thirteen says this, and I'm going to put it in perspective. I call this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and the future. That's verse 11. Verse 12. Then you will call on me and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me. And find me when you seek me with your heart, you will, I I, got to say this again, then, verse 12, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and then I will hear you And verse 13, then you will be able to seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. There are markers that specifically describes what a seeker looks like. A seeker loves to communicate with God. They pray. They meditate. They're driving in the car and they remember a verse. They may not be able to identify the the scripture verse within its, its biblical context but they all remember when something is going on that they don't understand, they call up the name of the Lord in prayer and they say, Father, I thank you because I know all things are working together for the good because I love you. All things are working together for the good. Mind you, I don't say for my good because when we say for my good, It means that we are trying to put God into our context. And you will hear people saying that all the time. All things work together for my good. If all things were to work together for our good, every time we prayed, it would cause a whole lot of problems. Because our prayers are almost always selfish. Our prayers are almost always about us and what we've got going on in our lives and only the Holy Spirit can help us. Here's what Psalms 14 and 2 says. Remember, we're talking about those who seek him like the Magi did. The Lord looks down, Psalms 14 and 2 from heaven on the entire human race. The New Living Translation. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise. Look at somebody and tell him. He's looking for anyone. Go ahead and tell him. He's looking for anyone that is truly wise. How is he looking? If anyone seeks God, if you know of someone that is not a believer, you know of someone that is over you in your office, you know of someone who is a political representative, who is a doctor, who is a lawyer that you deal with, it doesn't matter what position they hold, you need to know in your mind and spirit that they are not walking in wisdom if they don't seek God. Let me say that again. You can respect the job they do. You can admire the work that they perform. But you have got to know that they Not wise. You don't have to say, you don't have to look at them and tell them you stupid. As a matter of fact, that would not be Christ-like. But you have to interact with the unsaved, the person that is built on just educational prowess. Who has something politically educationally corporately medically whatever it is if they are not a God seeker what does the word say they are? Unwise that has helped me a whole lot Because I don't get get thrown off track by unbelievers like I used to. Unbelievers don't ruffle my feathers like they used to. Because I'm walking among the unbeliever knowing from deeper than my heart that when God looks down and she or he is standing next to me, what God says is, go ahead, son, you wise thing, you. And then he looks over to the other side and he said, help that unwise fool right there. That's what he said to my spirit. Help him with love. Help him with empathy. Help him with my prayers. Help him with with just being an example of of me to them. By the way, our subject matter has a topic heading of, the wise are still worshiping. The wise are still worshiping. I think we have been duped. Christians have been fooled. We have been lapsed. We have been, we have been tickled and caressed into, into accepting the world and the things of the world and the people of the world and the operations of the world as the standard so that we can fit in. And we have not understood that if you really want to fit in, if you are an unbeliever and you want to fit in, or if you are a believer and truly want to fit in, you have to walk in your purpose, have to walk in your calling. You have to walk like a Christian. You cannot walk Like the priests and scribes that Herod went to. Nobody talks about the foolishness, the craziness that was happening in religious circles at the time of Jesus' birth. But we've just read it. If you are a Christian today, you're watching me online and you don't understand... That everything we are going through in this country, everything we are going through in the world, all the climate changes, all the political wranglings, all the continuous dividing that you are seeing is exactly what God said will happen in the last day. But you do not have to be a part of it. Right. Let me say that again because we don't get it. We haven't got it. We we haven't got it, sister. That the word of God says that, that there will be no coming together of races in Kumbaya. There will be no Kumbaya with the coming together of cultures. That outside of God, The word says there will continually be division. And the gap will continue to be wider. You know what that means? And this is the problem that we're facing. Pastor Ron, it's the problem we're facing. That nobody, nobody wants to put their head above the crowd. Everyone, Christians particularly, we're afraid of losing our head. Let me tell you. We have lived with our heads long enough. Why am I saying this? We have lived in the lap of luxury long enough. We have lived without contention long enough. We have lived without animosities and arguments and public displays of hatred long enough. That is not how the church was built. It was not how the church was built. The church was never built in the way we are experiencing all of the niceties that we feel and see in America. That is not how the church was built. The foundation of the church was built on pressure, on hatred. On dislike, if you ever are able to, I challenge everyone here to find a very simple historic book called Martha's of the Catacombs, Martha's of the Catacombs. And it's a historic compilation of how Christians were treated in the first and second century As they said, I believe God, I believe in Jesus as his son, and I will not give up. I will not give in. They died in ways that you and I cannot imagine. And if you read that book, you will read it and you will cry as you read it. Because as the church was exploding... During the epistle, during the first church period, people were being caught, Christians were being caught by many others, not not just Paul. Paul is the only example we have in the Bible of a man who was zealous about catching Christians and killing and imprisoning them. He was not the only one. There was an entire system of zealous folk that were coming against the church of Jesus Christ while the church was exploding. The template has always been the same. It may not be the same for any other cult or religion, but for the, but for the, 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 the Christ-following folk our growth, our expansion has always come under duress. China has put hundreds of thousands of believers in jail. And even as they have continued to do that, burning Bibles, the Church of Jesus Christ has been growing at a faster rate in China than any other part of the world. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, the Assemblies of God has had its fastest, most expensive growth in China, in the underground church. Folks that can't meet together like we are. Folks that can't read, they've got half a Bible. They've got got the book of John. One family got the book of Luke. The other one got the book of Matthew. And and they read it, and their salvation is, is just encouraged and multiplies just on the one book or two that they've got. And we have everything like the priests. You wanna know why the church isn't growing in our country like it should? It is because our skin has become too soft. We tell our children, we tell our sons and daughter, toughen up, get some backbone. But when they reflect that back to us and say, well are you ready to die for your cause? I spoke to a young Muslim brother and he, I, I, listen, he was like the, 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 the guy spoken about in the new Testament, the King that said, man, I am almost convinced. Who was that King that said to, uh, was it John King Agrippa? He said, boy, the way you're telling me about this, Jesus, you've almost got me. I got this young Muslim brother to that. point. He said, I got one last question for you. He said, if if everything you're telling me is so real and it means it, it is so authentic and you have proven to me that historically you've got more to back up your book than my book. Then how come there's no Christian in America that's dying for the cause? And I said, it's coming that's what i said 3 4 years ago because i've come from a place where where i've seen that the church has been created to grow on the pressure yeah. to grow on the pressure I'm going to move on from that really quickly number 2 the second true identity marker of a God kind of wisdom was their readiness to rejoice and their willingness to worship. Look with me at uh, verses uh, 10 and 11. Verses 10 and 11. Verse 10 and 11 says... And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. These guys are not Christians, my goodness gracious. They're not Pentecostal, Pastor. They're not spirit filled. They haven't been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Why? Are they this excited about the Messiah? And I look around, you look around, we look around today, and it looks like we are becoming, whether you're Pentecostal, or you're Lutheran, or you're charismatic, it looks like we are all getting closer to the Frigidaire. We're all just... Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God is so good. Praise God. Oh, he's such a good God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, bless God. Hallelujah. And we've got proof right here. Don't question me. The Bible says it. That these guys who were not spirit-filled on the inside, all they knew was that history was being fulfilled. And just at the thought, historically, scientifically, that they could follow a star based on some ancient word from Micah hundreds of years before, They can follow that star to Bethlehem and see that what the star predicted, what Micah predicted, and the star led them to was the truth. It blew their minds. They just naturally said, my God, he must be the Messiah. I'm going to bow down and worship him. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Don't let anybody get in the way of your worship. Don't let anyone get in the way of your worship. It's a trick. It's a trick. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. They've been trying to stop worship and slow down worship and stop us from being as exuberant worship of God as we possibly can for a long time. And every time someone brings that up, you can just be sedate. I didn't say be irreverent. There's a difference between irreverence and elation. but we've mixed it all together. Now we can't have nothing. Help me, Lord. <sighs> Proverbs 9 and 10 says, the fear of the Lord, the fear, the esteem, the lifting of the honor of God, the respect to the place of bowing down and worship and licking the ground with my forehead before him. Is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I don't have to be worried about an unsaved person. The reason I am their hope, the reason God is coming through me to them is because they are foolish and don't know it. They are unwise and don't know it. They are lost and don't know it. I know it, and I cannot come to them with a puffed up head and a, and, a, and a haughty spirit. I gotta know that God is using me as a conduit, as a pipeline. I am nothing but a tool. I'm nothing but a tool. I'm nothing but a tool. There's nothing to be proud of, walk around and say, I'm a pipe. There's nothing to be big-headed about, about walking around and calling yourself a crescent. We get big-headed about the one who is flowing through the pipe. The one who is holding the tool. The one who's moving the screwdriver, if you're a screwdriver. The one who's moving the, ter- the, 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 the plier, if you're a plier. The one who is operating with you. God says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Yes, Habakkuk set 3, 7 317 and 18 said, even though the fig tree have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crops fail and the fields lie empty and barren, and even though the flocks die in the field and the cattle and barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Either you are a worshiper or you're not. Either you got the goods or you don't. You can fool everybody, some of the, all of the time, everyone, some of the time. And you can fool somebody or some people all of the time. But none of us can fool God anytime. I know we're after 12, but there's still time for the last point. The third identifying mark of God, the God kind of wisdom that these men showed was their willingness to bring their best gift while walking away from evil. Whew. There's a big struggle here in the church, guys. I don't care what you say. There's a struggle. There's a struggle. There's a struggle. There's a struggle. The reason, the reason 10% was enacted In the New Testament, was not because it started off as ten percent. When Noah came off the ark, the first thing he did was made a sacrifice to God. If every animal there were only in pairs, then there was a fifty percent sacrifice made. Am I lying? If he said put two of every kind there and the minute he got off the ark he offered sacrifice to God then he had to have offered a sacrifice of a swan of a pair. I could keep giving you more and more of those in the Old Testament. But he said 10% because that is supposed to be something that we don't think about, that we understand it's all his, give it back to him if he wants it all, let him have it. But today, we have become more measly, we have become more chinksy, we have become more stealing and thieving than ever before in the church. Do we understand that when the word of God says 10%, most most Christians in America, I think 87% of all Christians in the so-called believers in America only give 2% to God. The word said 10, they give 2. But, 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 but their fervency, our fervency about seeing the hand of God, our fervency about healing, our fervency about transformation is the same. We give God this, but we want him to stay here. We want to give God less, but hold him to the same standard. You said you will be our God. You will supply our needs according to your riches and glory. What what, what, what does that mean if I'm stealing? What does that have to do with anything if I'm a thief? It says, The third identifying mark of this God kind of wisdom that we should have was that they came with a willingness to bring their best gift. They traveled thousands of miles before they saw the Messiah, trusting that a star would lead them to this stuff, this prophetic person that they read about in Micah, who said what he was going to say several hundred years before their trip. And yet, they did not say, well, you know, we don't really know if this is true. Maybe what we should bring is some, is some quality dirt. Let's find the best piece of land that has the fastest growth where we come from, and we'll just take some of that dirt and bring it with us. Oh, we've got the best water in all the land. Let's just take a cup of water and bring it to him. No, they didn't. They brought gifts to him that were universally wealth, spoke of universal wealth. It doesn't matter which language, which country you come from, gold is the same quality, high quality. It doesn't matter where you go or where you come from. Perfumes that are made with myrrh, and, 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 and these expensive things in them have the, have the highest smell and concentration and lingers on the body the longest. They got the best that they could find, packed it up and brought it to Jesus. We see his handiwork all the time. We see him healing, we see him delivering, we see him breaking yokes, we see him making a way for us, we see him giving us the house we always wanted, we see him giving us the job, we see him bringing us to a point in our health where many of our friends got to retirement and died a week, a month, or two months after retiring, and we are still living five, ten, fifteen years after we retire, and we don't get it, we we don't get it, We, we, we don't get it, we don't get it. They brought their best gift, and they refused to be enticed by evil. Are you, as a believer this morning, committed to fighting evil tooth and nail? Even if you don't stand up a street sign and say, say, repent or you will die, you don't need to do that. You just need to walk it out walk it out. The word of God said, flee the very appearance of evil. If it look evil, it smells evil, and it acts evil, move away from it. If it looks evil, it smells evil, and it sounds evil, walk away from it. Don't try to prove nothing. If your your sanctified self has an abrasion to that right there, don't don't linger to see, well, maybe I I need to dig some more. Just move away from it. When the wise men realize from the word of God, from the word of the angel, that it is not what you should do to go back and tell Herod about this, they did not question it. They did not dust it off. They did not think about their political connection. That's what we would think about. If I don't go back and talk to him and tell him, oh, I might break, I might break a, a political uh, connection, I might not be able to come back and see him. That's how we would think today. But, but then, men who were not believers, who were not spirit-filled, who were not Christ's followers because Christ was being born, decided that they would not come back and add their fortunes to that of a man who wanted to just kill somebody because he didn't like them. Could you commit to that? I'm not going to bad talk them just because of the political views. I'm not going to cuss them out just because of their color. I'm, not, I'm speaking to you if you're watching me on, on, on the web. Are you going to have an ungodly attitude to somebody because of some physical difference? Or will you be like Christ himself? Will you be like God himself? And let wise counsel come out. Let the wisdom of God Himself permeate you. And you walk as an ambassador and an emissary of the King of Kings. Bow your heads with me. Father Hasheho Murabukashama. I thank you, Lord, that you gave me this opportunity to share your word. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know who got touched or who didn't get touched, but I have spoken what you said to speak. I chose my words according to the, with the help of your Holy Spirit and I was measured, tried not to over talk, but to speak what you said, thus said the Lord. Father, if there's someone in our audience right here hallelujah hallelujah this is an opportunity this is an opportunity if you're watching us online to repent wisdom cannot flow in an unrepentant heart wisdom cannot flow in an unrepentant heart wisdom cannot flow in an unrepentant heart so would you just tell God I repent of my wrong I repent of my wrong I'm going into the new year Lord anything that that has been a part of me that has created a symbiotic relationship, a parasitic relationship, it stuck to me like, like we are one and the same but it's not of you God peel it off, peel it off, peel it off peel it off, burn it off, burn it off burn it off Lord, burn it off like you burn a leech off of a body as it sucks, burn it off Lord, burn it off bring me back into relationship with you forgive me of my sin. Put me on the right path. Father, I thank you for touching every person. Those watching us on the web, those sitting here in this wonderful congregation, I ask that your Holy Spirit will touch us, renew us, give us the gut and the grit to be like you in this new year coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus, would you stand in the auditorium? Thank you, Lord. If you're sitting as family, hold your family's hand. If you're by yourself, just stand right there and just raise your hand. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Father, as your servant, I release, I release, I release into your people your goodness let it pass before them let it pass before them this week this week this week let your goodness pass before us this week let it pass before us this week in the name of Jesus we thank you for your goodness and grace as we leave walk with us lead us and guide us into truth and make us to be more like you in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen amen god bless you each of you thank you for being here thank you for being here god bless you those who are watching on the web thank you for being with us god bless you have a wonderful day see you on wednesday